Mindfulness Mode 70. When you meditate, you create a very subtle intoxication. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host, Bruce Langford. On Mindfulness Mode, we talk about how people from all walks of life have discovered mindfulness and how it's impacted their lives to help them become more calm, focused, and happy. Thanks so much for joining us here in Mindfulness Mode. To thank you for listening, I want to send you a free copy of my book. I teamed up with author Brian Tracy, along with some other entrepreneurs, to create the best-selling book called Cracking the Success Code. You'll learn more about my story and how I became an anti-bullying advocate, which later led to mindfulness and my mindfulness coaching. Get the book free at mindfulnessmode.com cracking. Enter your name and email and you'll have your book downloaded in no time. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I'm really, really happy to have Chris Curran on the line today. Hey, Chris, are you in mindfulness mode? Um, oh, were you speaking to me, Bruce? I was so deep into mindfulness in, in the present that I didn't quite hear you. Ah, <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> good answer, Chris. Chris Curran is an audio recording engineer author and world traveler. He has an intense interest in spirituality, meditation, and mindfulness. And he's visited India 10 times to spend time on retreats and live in ashrams. Chris brings people together through his organization, Pause Your Life, arranging retreats and meetups for people who are looking for renewed energy and purpose. Chris is also host of The Mystic Show, where he talks with his guests about spiritualism and meditation. So, Chris, tell us how you got started on your meditation journey. Tell Mindful Tribe way back when you first got that idea about meditation. Well, it was definitely in my early 20s, and it was when I was in the habit of writing my goals out on a piece of paper. And, of course, I wrote out my material goals. You know, I want a house and land and a nice car. And I don't know why I always said I want to practice meditation. Mm -hmm. I just, that was on my goal list for literally probably about 10 years before I ever meditated. And I'm not sure why that's a, that's a mystery. Um, but then of course, 10 years later, my life had become so tumultuous and pretty much everything I was trying to do was not working. And I ended up broke. I ended up unemployed. I had no car and I ended up living in my friend's basement through a really cold winter. That was like my rock bottom. And that's what I was like, you know what? I can't live like this. Can't do it. And shortly after that, I found the meditation practice that I'm still practicing today, which is called Sahaj Mark, uh, the natural path. Wow, that's fascinating. So you wanted to do it, but you didn't know why. And where did you even know about meditation? Had you read a book? Did someone in your family meditate? Where was the connection there originally? Yeah, so nobody in my family is into meditation really at all. So I think I read it in books, I'm pretty sure. I In my 20s and, and into my 30s, I read a lot of books, different books about to me, they were awesome books about aliens and space and time and, you know, quantum physics and all the stuff that's really out there, all the fun stuff, right? And I'm sure in one of those books, it mentioned meditation. And But I think I had somewhere in my being, I had this idea that there's something deeper within us, right? There's some power deep within us as human beings. I remember thinking from when I was a 
a young boy that, you know, I would see people arguing or see the way the world was. And I'd be like, there's why are people acting like this? So it's beautiful to be born as a human. And, you know, there's so much more that inside of us that no one ever talks about or, or exposes. I mean, I didn't, I didn't vocalize it that way when I was a kid, but that's how I felt. So when you were a kid, were you exposed to any form of religion? Did your family share any of that with you? Yep. I grew up Catholic and I went to church every Sunday and I went to the whatever, the Catholic school, what do they call I forget what they call that. But yeah, after, right after the mass, we would go for an hour and have a class and we, you know, read the Bible and talk about it, um, which was good. I really enjoyed that up until I think I was about 14 and came time to make my confirmation, which is one of the, one of the phases of Catholicism. And by that time, I just, I don't know, there was a lot of questions I, I had, and I was not getting really good answers that satisfied me and i and i just felt there was something wrong like everybody and and it, this is nothing against religion religion is good everything is good and and if if you're practicing a religion practice it the best you can for me i i didn't quite resonate with me and then i i also observed as a kid because you know kids observe things they kids sure are do. in a way mindful right they are um I re- I realized that everyone would go to church on Sunday and they would, you know, be, you know, really like somber attitude and, you know, mm-hmm. bow their heads and be quiet. And then everybody would leave church and just be the same crazy person they were, maybe, you know, doing bad things or drinking alcohol and all this stuff. And it's like, why do you go to one place to act one way and then you go out and you act another way? It, it wasn't congruent. And by yeah. the way, I heard I heard your episode with uh, Andy Gray. Oh, that did you? One. Yeah. Do you know Andy? I met him at yeah podcast movement last year. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, he's a great guy. And you know this this brings up some questions to me. So you, it it sounds like you just didn't really resonate with Catholicism when you were fourteen, and then you started to think there was some disconnect there. And a couple of minutes ago, you said something. I'm going to bring it up again. You said, "Well, everything is good." Now, that must be part of your philosophy. But then just now you said, but then they would go out and they would do bad things like drink alcohol. Okay, so I want you to expand on this. How can everything be good, but yet alcohol is bad? Yeah, so maybe maybe bad isn't the correct term there. Maybe the correct term is not conducive to leading a uh, balanced and happy life about that yeah um all right so good good and bad Uh, what is good and bad what is good and bad is there such a thing as good and bad well there's really not i mean good and bad is part of the duality of material existence so when we're born into a human body here you know we have hot and cold Mm -hmm. we have up and down we're in the world of duality yeah Uh, we are and 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 there's in a way there is good and bad on the material level because if you go out and murder 17 people, I mean, that clearly that's bad. And if you show love to another being and, and do a kindness to them, that's good. Um, of course, there's so much gray area in between. Um, but spiritually speaking, if you rise above the material plane, yeah, there's no more duality. There's no more good and bad. Everything just is. And part of the teaching that I've been through with my spiritual guide over the last 12, 13 years is that 
by living and by taking actions and having thoughts, we accumulate uh, something called, or things called samskaras. And it's sort of like, you know, you can describe your, your heart and your divine being as like a little light, mm-hmm. like there's a little light in your heart. And through our thoughts and actions in the material world, we take on all this, these impressions, these habits, these tendencies. And it, basically, you can think about it that we wrap ourselves in a cocoon of all these impressions and we cover up that divine light. So does that mean, Chris, that we are kind of the story we create for ourselves? Is that another way to put it? Oh, yes. Whatever we are, we have created ourselves. Absolutely. Right. And so we we're can living, uncreate it. Yeah, that's, we're living within this story. Right. And the spiritual process is, well, if your goal is the highest spiritual goal available to human beings, which that's another thing that my practice says is you should aim for the highest. <laughs> Don't aim for something low. Aim for the highest. But if you aim for the highest, what happens is you have to sort of unbecome all that those things that you are. You have to unwrap that cocoon, clean it off, and expose your divine light. So when I said drinking was bad, drinking <clears> – excuse me. Yeah, just just start there yep. when you when say I, drinking. When I say drinking is bad, what I mean is that drinking is is adding to the cocoon. <laughs> it's adding to your load of samskaras. You know, and and a lot of people might think of it as karma, right? You're adding to your karma. Right. And you have to undergo the effects of that karma. So, in a way, drinking's not bad. In a way, everything's good because the person who's drinking they're drinking because of the past samskaras that's making them drink. Because and they, they want to forget. Is that right? Well, it's just a habit. Okay. It's just like we all do so many things without thinking about it, you know? Yes, we do. We just have a habit. That's mind, a lot of them are, mindless living. Right. And a lot of them are innocuous, like the way you brush your teeth. I mean, you probably brush your teeth the same way every day, but you don't think about it. It's just right. a habit. Okay. Well, same thing with drinking or drugs or or anything like that, it just becomes a habit. And we think, oh, that's just the way we live. And, you know, we get happy with our cocoon. (laughs) Yeah, we really do. And I really (laughs) love that we've been able to dig right in here right away to this because because I really think this is so right on that we we do. We become kind of numbed to our own story and we're just – living these habits and some of the habits are great and some of those habits aren't really helping ourselves. So you found a way through, through this particular um, movement, I guess I could say to really shed the negative and build on the positive. Is that true? Yeah. And, and yep, exactly. So the way that the practice does it is through the process called cleaning, which you can actually clean off, your samskaras by using your own will. Oh, I want to know about this. Okay, now I'm just going to stop right here because sure. this is, is this called, is this a religion? No, no, it's not a religion. It's it's a practice. So it's a practice. I it's thought you said like, practice. Like, think of it this way. If you go, if, if you hired a personal trainer at the gym mm-hmm. and you went to the gym every day, and your personal trainer was helping you every day, learn mm-hmm. new exercises, making mm-hmm. sure you're healthy, making sure you don't overdo it, answering all your questions. That's what the Sahaj Marg practice is. It's a practice for you 
It's it's all for you. Like for me, for my practice, it's all about me and my spiritual growth. And I have a spiritual guide who helps me. He's much further along on the path than I am. And 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 I, and by the way, in the beginning, you don't have to accept that. Mm. <laughs> you can go meet him and talk to him and practice the system. And you know, you maybe someday you'll say, "Yeah, he's someone I can learn from." That's all. You, that's all you have to. So, do you jump on a Skype call with him? Um, no, no. How does he help you? There's a few hundred thousand people practicing this practice across the globe. So, okay. uh, we can meet him in person sometimes. Yeah. Um. So how um, how does he help me? Well, there's a there's a prescribed practice uh, of meditation, morning meditation, evening cleaning, and night prayer meditation. And there's a lot of literature of talks he gives, and uh, you know, and in person we can meet him and ask questions. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of help involved. That that's all great. That, that's the reason he exists is to help us. Sahaj Marg practice and your spiritual guide helps you. And is your spiritual guide like an accountability partner? Um, no, he's more like the ancient gurus of India. Uh, he's like a modern version of the ancient gurus or. And describe that. Um, like, let's okay. say I don't know anything about what that means. So describe what that does. Right. Mean. So having a guru. So. Uh, all right. So going back to India, which is pretty much the land of spirituality. The idea of having a guru is that you, you hand yourself over to someone who is, has much more wisdom and someone who can guide you Mm -hmm. to become what you want to become. And because on your own, you cannot achieve as you, you can't go as high on your own as you can with a spiritual guide. I is mean, that because it, we can't see ourselves the same way that someone else can see us? That's definitely part of it. That's definitely part of it. The simple answer is, though, if I was to bring you to the base of Mount Everest and say, go ahead, climb that thing, you'd, you'd be clueless. You wouldn't even get, you'd get a thousand feet up maybe and you'd be, you know, cold and out of food and whatever. So your guru, your spiritual guide has taken you on a journey now, looking back, tell us what that journey looks like. Yeah, so people ask me this all the time. What, how have you benefited or what's the difference? And I, I have to say that I am a completely different person now than I was back then in many ways. Um, I, I did used to drink alcohol and that, that literally fell away almost immediately without even me knowing it. I mean, it's a, it's a funny little vignette, I'll tell you. When I started the practice, when I took my first sittings, individual sittings, which are like one-on-one meditations with a local teacher. I like the, the next two days I went home and I was doing the practice on my own, which is what we do. We each, we each do a personal practice at home every day. Mm -hmm. And I was doing my cleaning. And what I did was I actually drank, I think I drank a few beers before I tried to do my cleaning. And Mm -hmm. I, I sat down to do my cleaning and it wouldn't work. Something was wrong, and I was like, "What is wrong? It's just something's different. This isn't working." <laughs> so I went back. <laughs> I went back to him, and I said, "What's the deal with alcohol?" <laughs> and he basically told me that when you meditate, you create a very subtle intoxication in yourself, mm-hmm. very subtle on a, on an energetic level, right? Not even on a material level. And he says, when you drink alcohol, that is also an intoxication, but it's a much grosser intoxication and it actually overrides that subtle intoxication. 
it just destroys your spiritual condition pretty much. And I said, oh, hmm, all right. And he never told me don't drink. He never said anything like that. No joke, Bruce. Mm-hmm. Seven, eight weeks later, I was, and I lived with a guy who drank and smoked. Seven, eight weeks later, I realized that I had not drank any alcohol in those seven or eight weeks. And I, here's the thing. I didn't even realize it. And I was like, how did seven weeks just go by? And I wasn't a big drinker, but I was just a normal drinker, whatever. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And how did seven weeks go by? I didn't even realize that I didn't drink anything. Wow. Because you were focused on something else, right? I was focused on something else, but that drink, those drinking samskaras were cleaned away. When you clean away, the, the samskaras are the root of our habits and our action. When you clean away the spiritual root of a habit or an action, you don't physically you don't feel like doing that action. It's just gone. There's no inclination to do it. That's amazing. That's amazing. And it's called samskaras. So let's get into this cleaning. So, so tell us about cleaning and what that means. Well, cleaning use, utilizes our will, and our will is something that is, in, in a typical person, our will is very weak because we haven't used it. Um, and I'm not talking about willpower. I'm just talking about the faculty of will, which is when you go to do something, you just decide to do it and you put your will behind it, and there's no doubt that you're going to do it. For instance, you're sitting in a chair right now, Bruce, and if you're, if you're listening to this, let's say you're sitting down. If I told you to stand up, or if I asked you to stand up, um, you, would, you would just stand up. But what happened when you stood up? Before you stood up, you actually had to have a thought that said, okay, I'm going to stand up. And when you had that thought, I'm going to stand up, it was so subtle and there was zero doubt there. So what happens is when there's zero doubt in your thought and you put your will behind it, I'm going to stand up. You just do it. It just happens. You just stand up and there's no doubt. But if I told you to, you know, take a basketball and jump up really high and dunk it in the basket, immediately you would think, oh, my God, I can't do that. I can't jump high enough. I'm not good enough and whatever. And so there's so much doubt that your will is blunted, right? So the will is something we can uh, strengthen. And it's a very subtle process. That's why this whole meditation and cleaning and spiritual practice these are subtle things, and that's why meditation and cleaning go together because the meditation brings your mind down to a level where you can think clearly and your mind isn't racing, and then you can use your will. So the, the way the will, the, to get to your question, the way that the will is used in the cleaning is that you can actually use your own willpower to say all of the impressions from today, let's say, mm-hmm. are leaving me. Oh, cool. And it's like a self-cleaning. It's like all the impressions of today are leaving me, and in its place is the divine light in my heart. And you have the idea that you feel lighter. So, okay, so you let these things go, and is that similar to surrender? Um, maybe uh, slightly similar, but the cleaning process is an, act, is an active process. You're using your will. It, it's almost like you're uh, taking a shower. Think of it oh. that way. Oh. I mean, you're, you're, you're deliberately cleaning yourself. Because you've been trained and you understand how to do it, right? 
well, no, what I what I said just before about how to yeah. do it, that's yeah. how to do it. There's yeah. no there's nothing else. <laughs> yeah, and and isn't that funny because some things seem too simple, right? Isn't <laughs> right. that true? Totally. Yeah, some of the best things in the world seem too simple. So yeah. if if I were to meditate and not know any of the things that you just told me, could I achieve some of those same results? Sure. Yeah, so you know, there's not one there's not only one correct system of meditation. Everybody in every person in life is in a different place. You know, that's why I said before religion's not bad. Some people are in are active in a religion because that's where they like to be. That's where they want to be. And it's helping them. It's no problem. Sure. Some, some of the spiritual guides have said that religion is like a kindergarten to spirituality. Even Swami Vivekananda, one of the greatest saints from India said, it's great to be born into a religion, but it's bad to die in one because you can be, the religion becomes part of your cocoon. Oh yes. And any cocoon is not good. I don't care what it is. So you sound, Chris, like you're completely accepting of anyone and everyone in the world, really, no matter what they do. I mean, I mean, I know that we talked about like if somebody is a murderer or something like that, that's obviously bad. But generally, you're a very accepting person. And a lot of that is because of of this spiritualism, right? Yeah. And I, I even accept the murderer. You know why? Because here's... All right, I don't want to go back too far and get too deep. <laughs> well, can I say something? Sure, is, sure. is it because that's an action, not the person? It's not the identity of the person. It's an action that the person did. And and just tell me what you th- you would say in response to that. Yeah, so here's the thing. The reason that that person murdered 17 people is because there was some – the samskaras within him made him do that. Mm-hmm. Now, he caused the samskaras. Maybe maybe his parents used to beat him, right? Because mm-hmm. we actually pick up a lot of samskaras from our family, right? Especially when we're young. We, we, we take on our family's samskaras and habits. <laughs> and it sort of for, almost not kind of forces us to act in certain ways. Or it just, it, it trains us to act in certain ways, right? So, but maybe his family beat him and then maybe he fought in school and then maybe somebody, you know, maybe he got beat up really bad or something. I don't know. Or maybe he did drugs. He got robbed. I don't know. Like whatever, like whatever craziness in his life culminated in him murdering some people. That's, that's a process right there. So when I said about cleaning, you can clean yourself, right? You can sit down and clean yourself and say all the, all of my impressions from today are leaving me. Here's the thing. Even without deliberately cleaning yourself, God or the universe is cleaning you all the time. Chris, my next questions are part of the multi-mode round, and I just uh, want to have you uh, – just short 30-second answers are perfect. The first one is this. Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice? Um, I would have to say – my spiritual guide, uh, Parthasarthi, who he actually passed away in December of 2014. But I met him in 2003, right after I started the practice. I met him in person, and I got to meditate with him in person many times. And just the way, you know, teaching me the practice, but also giving talks on how to incorporate the practice into modern life helped me. I mean, there's no words to say 
how it helped me. Like I said before, I'm a completely different person. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? It's one of the most tangible benefits, I think, uh, because even now driving down the road, like someone will cut me off and it, whatever. I mean, it's, it's funny. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. things don't, I mean, what does it really mean? I mean, come on. <laughs> okay, fine. The guy cut you off. Big deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just, it really does put everything in perspective and, um, it really does help because those emotional outbursts are really bad. It t- takes us off the rails and it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to get back on. Yeah, for sure. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. Actually, I don't focus on breathing at all, except now that I live here in Colorado Springs, like sometimes if I'll run up the stairs, I'll <laughs> all of a sudden have to take some deep breaths because mm. the air is thinner. Yeah. Breathing isn't part of my practice. Um, at all. I, the practice, the Sahajmar practice is actually a form of Raja yoga, which Raja yoga is one of the four main branches of yoga from India from way back when. Mm-hmm. And there's no breathe. Raja yoga is yoga of the mind. So there's no breathing, there's no postures, there's no stretching. So hmm. if you could recommend a book on mindfulness, what would that be? Um, Byways of Blessedness by James Allen. And it's actually a book that my wife and I republished. That book is from 1904. We republished it through the Pause Your Life organization because it is just a fascinating book. It is the most powerful, one of the most powerful books I've ever read. It's very practical about how to incorporate these deeper uh, ideas and spiritual things and mindfulness into your life. Can you share an app which helps you to be more mindful? Well, I've tried that app called Insight Timer, and actually my dad uses that as well. Uh, he just started meditating last year because some, some of the doctors recommended, hey, meditation might help. So he tried it, which is, you know what, any, any way you can reach meditation is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that app is a pretty good app. I don't always use it, though, because I forget to use it. I mean, I meditate every day, and to remember to open the app and start it and stop it, and like that almost almost throws a wrench into my... into the simplicity of my own meditation. (laughs) Right. What advice would you give a person who's new to mindfulness and they'd like to start using it in their life? Well, I would say start meditating in earnest, meaning learn meditation, but really learn it. Try to become good at it. The biggest misconception about meditation is that you're supposed to sit down and be thoughtless. And so many people who come to me to learn, because now I help teach it as well, so many people come and they say, oh, I tried it. I can't do it. No, you're, you're doing it. The thing is, in the beginning, you're going to have a lot of thoughts. You just have to learn how to handle them, which is to ignore them and get in the habit of ignoring them. And then as these thoughts come out and you have more thoughts, your thoughts will become less. So learning meditation, learning a real form of meditation that's the base of everything. I, I think without meditation, I don't know how much you can implement mindfulness truly or spirituality truly. Wow, Chris, it's been such a pleasure to spend this time with you. Man, I just think we could just keep going and going and going. But right? tell us how Mindful Tribe, how we can connect with you, learn more from you. Tell us about your podcast. We'd love to hear that. Yeah, I'll the podcast is probably the best way to, you know, hear me and interact with me. And, 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 and really, Bruce, I think you and I, I definitely want to put something on my website to bring folks back to your site and your show, because 
we're we're doing very similar things and it's it's helping people in in a lot of ways so yeah the mystic show is a podcast it's available at anywhere you listen to podcasts and the website is themysticshow.net and uh yeah it's a great i i love doing the show because probably like you bruce it's a way to have these important conversations that these conversations don't happen in normal life. And these are the most important conversations of our lives. So Bruce, thanks for doing the show and thanks for having me on it. My pleasure. It's just great to have you on the show and, and all the best to you. We'll be listening to your podcast. Take care. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Bye now. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out MindfulnessMode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.